Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, I'm being joined by the CEO of White Canyon Software, Mr. Paul Katzoff. Paul, how are you doing today? Very good, Mark. How's it going today for you? Pretty good, pretty good. It says here that you are based down in American Fork, Utah. Is that correct? We are about uh, <clears throat> about 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Tell me what, what, what that's about, because I, I hear that there's a lot of IT companies that are moving to or starting up in that area. And there's even a, like a nickname, uh, Silicon Slopes. Is, is that correct? Right. That's right. I, I think the Silicon kind of nominer, you know, is going all across the U.S. for different areas. I think Chicago's got their own one, a couple other places. But uh, ours is Silicon Slopes. Um, we have really boom, probably the last eight years. Um, our company has been here in Utah for 22 years, but the last eight years, we have seen a major influx. Um, first, it was, uh, you know, we're perfect and Novell were here, and then Symantec moved in, Adobe moved in a, a, a giant office up the, uh, the road from us, and from there, it's just taken off. I, you know, service providers come in, Microsoft, the other big players have, have rolled into town, Cisco as well. And uh, not to mention Facebook opened their data center <clears throat> just on the other side of the lake from us. So it's really, um, really catching on out here. It's, it's been quite impressive on our side to see this growth. What, what seems to be the major drivers? Obviously, companies moving in, but you know, what's the impetus for them coming in? Is it the, the, the you know, high-quality universities in the area? Is it the lower cost of living? I mean, what do you see it as? I think it's threefold. I think you, know, you get these great universities here that are training up. Um, potential employees, you got a low cost of living, so you can come in and and hire um, great employees at a great price or great cost, I guess. And at the same time, um, there's not um, not a lot of competition. So house pricing, house prices, uh, commercial rents, all that's pretty low. So they on their on their side, they can build a, a giant campus, have it be you know filled with. Uh, you know, thousands of employees at a much lower cost than, you know, San Francisco and some other places. So I think that's probably a key gen key motivator on their side is just the the uh, human resources that are here. And then, yeah, like you said, the cost of living is very low, very low here. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're almost describing the Seattle or Pacific Northwest area back in the eight, late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. that time, yeah, I mean... Actually, we were a one-shop town, and it was basically Boeing that was driving everything. And you know, then Microsoft, and you know, the rest is history. And uh, we can no longer claim the low cost of living or any of the other advantages that you're talking about. Well, we've got some good universities, but uh, anyway. So let's talk a little bit about um, your your background, and then White Canyon Software, because sure. you know your two histories are pretty much intertwined. So um, yeah, why don't you start with yourself, and then we'll lead into uh, White Canyon. Yeah. So uh, I have my undergraduate from BYU-Hawaii. I went on and got my MBA at uh, Utah State. I tried uh, law school for a very expensive semester and tried a, a PhD in entrepreneurship for another quite pricey semester as well. 
And at that time, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into the workforce. Uh, I'm tired of school. I'd rather work 40 hours a week than, than take one more test or read one more textbook. So um, looking at the workforce and where to go into, um, I looked at technology and I said, you know, computers is the future. And there's a, a quote by the Skunk Works, the leader of Skunk Works, which is um, the... Is it, maybe I'm wrong, the leader of skunk works. Maybe I shouldn't say that part. But there's a quote out there that says, um, the interests of men run in a river. And if you go where that river is, it'll be deep. And therefore, there's lots of value there, a lot to do there. And I saw computers back in, you know, 06, 04. They were big already. Computers have always been big the last 15, 20 years. But looking at it, I was like, that's the future. Everything's going to be, you know, um, tech related or involved with technology and computers. That's where I want to go into. So I, uh, I got my own little, decided I need to learn how to code a little bit or understand computers. So I got a domain from one on one and I started uh, coding with HTML kit and just kind of got an understanding of how to code up websites. And that actually got me my job here at uh, White Canadian Software way back when, back uh, 12 years ago. Well, that's that's excellent. And I mean, congrats for you for, for spotting a trend that um, continues to kind of steamroll the whole planet. I mean, like you said, yeah. doesn't matter what industry you're in, you know, you can be a plumber or a roofer. Uh, it doesn't matter. You need technology for your, you know, appointment setting, your inventory, your billing, et cetera. And, and so we're, we're all kind of dependent and, and, you know, are lucky to have it there that we can help us with our business. But um, so, so then what brought you or, um, you know, what brought you to, to uh, White Canyon? Uh, I ended up here in Utah um, back then, about 12 years ago, and I was looking for uh, any sort of uh, job or anything on the tech space, and I bumped into White Canyon Software. We were down in Orm at the time, and we were actually uh, Utah, one of Utah's original software companies. We started uh, back in 1998 down in southern Utah, and we're actually named after a canyon down there called White Canyon, so that's where the name of our uh, company comes from, and uh, I bumped into him. I on Craigslist, I saw an ad for a position, and uh, I applied for it, interviewed, and uh, I liked right off the bat. I could tell I liked the culture. Um, we had a significant amount of sales through our website and through uh, retail channels, which were really big back then for software. And I just liked the look and feel. Of it. it was a small company. There was probably I'd say there was probably six or seven at the time, and it was just fun to, to get on board and kind of apply what I've learned on technology and my MBA, apply it to the company and, and help and watch us grow over those years. That's excellent. You must have done extremely well because now you're the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to make it there. I, you know, as, uh, as the years go by, you know, I, didn't, I don't think I ever really had that goal. You know, as one day I'll be, I'd love to become a CEO. One day I'd like to get there. I have my MBA. I'd like to put that to use. Uh, here at White Canyon, I, I moved up from, you know, to the management position uh, for tech support. I we then took on our enterprise support kind of role to help that as that grew. And then we evolved into an enterprise uh, data erasure firm. And I was managing the support side of that. Um, after a while, as everything does, it got kind of dull for me. And they came to me and said, hey, you know, you're technical. We'd like you on the sales side. And uh, I <laughs> I had some reservations. I've always felt as salespeople as kind of 
kind of slimy, kind of untrustworthy, and that's not really, you know, my kind of forte. I'm pretty much a straight shooter and pretty, pretty honest with things. And uh, they said, well, no, come on, try it, try it, try it. And finally I did, and I loved it. Uh, technology sales is so much different than any other type of sales out there. I don't know any other type of sales out there, but it's a consultative sale. You're providing knowledge, you're providing expertise. You're helping someone come on board with something they have nothing, know nothing about, help them get it implemented. And you're kind of solving a problem for them. And I really love that. It, it really kind of meshed with coming from the support side into sales that, you know, we're here to kind of help you guys be successful and, and not just, you know, get your dollar and I'll never talk to you again. We have to keep talking to you every day for, you know, for years after that. So it was a good transition. I really, um, I really, really liked it. Uh, from there, I, I moved into the management role, sales manager, uh, VP of sales, things like that. Um, <clears throat> and long history short, uh, I left White Canyon for a few years, pursued sales at some other tech companies, and they had a uh, leadership change here at White Canyon. And they said, hey, you know, Paul, you were with us for eight plus years. You have an MBA. We'd love you to come back. And I, I don't think anyone says no to that offer. I think uh, everyone says, you bet. All right, let's, let's talk. Let's work something out. And uh, came back three years ago and took over the role about two and a half years ago. That's awesome. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, I, I, it, a lot of people do have that impression of salespeople that you're out there trying to trying to do something kind of shifty or shady. But the best salespeople yeah. in my experience, and I, I come from a, a, most of my career has been in the business development and sales side. Um, the best ones are, are people like what you know you described where you're out solving problems. And if you can solve somebody's problem um, or you can help them or you at least be honest with them about the fact that, hey, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Um, the door will always be open for you and you'll be able to develop that relationship. And when, when you do solve problems, I mean, people, they just like you. You know, they're like, hey, you know, come back anytime. So it's, it's very rewarding. And, you know, a big part of that, though, is having a good product or service to sell. And, you know, I mean, I've sold a variety of different solutions. And when you have something that you 100% believe in and, and you're passionate about that, it's so much easier to go out to the market and to get buy-in from that. You obviously must have something at White Canyon that resonates with your with the marketplace. Um, tell me a little bit about your your services or your your solutions that seem kind of like top of mind or or, or really you know doing well in the market right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's our, our main flagship flagship tool is called Wipe Drive. It's a software based erasure tool for any IT asset, so laptops, desktops, uh, servers, mobile devices. Uh, any device out there that has storage or media, we can erase it. And what I love about Wipe Drive and our company is data erasure is a little niche. It's nothing new. Um, it's been data erasure has been used on tapes going back for years. Uh, floppy diskettes, the three and a half inch, five and a quarter floppy diskettes. It's nothing new. Um, but what I love in this little niche is there's probably two or three big players in this niche, and then there's a bunch of free tools, and that's about it. And so when, when we're in this little niche that we're at, we get these calls from large Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies that are looking for data erasure and we pop up on the map. And it is so impressive to me to, to work with um, these large companies. I can't you know, mention most of them on, on this podcast or this discussion, but it is so great to work with a corporation that has 
50, 60,000 employees. They need to erase, you know, a quarter million IT assets a year globally. They need to deploy it. And they come to us and say, hey, we did our research. You're one of two or three out there. How do we do this? We want to do a bake-off with you. And it's so much fun. There's many companies out there you can work for and never even touch the Fortune 1000 as a client. And I love that here we just, we bump elbows with, with players that make that would make anyone else jealous in the uh, in the uh, industry or tech industry. You know, we we do, can't drop names because it's part of our you know part of our licensing. But if we did, they'd all be very impressed with who we play with. And that's the fun part is when you're really helping these large corporations solve problems. And yeah, we're a little kind of a niche tool. But at the same time, we're important to their IT lifecycle process. And and we for me, I just I love that kind of connection and, and uh, relationships. Well, before we go, you know, much deeper in terms of your actual solutions and how they work, maybe you can explain the importance of data erasure in the context of security and compliance. Sure, sure. Um, right off the bat, the biggest change, we've seen a major change and shift and focus on data erasure over the last eight years. Um, the biggest driver behind this is regulation. So you have HIPAA, which came out with financial penalties for having private health information or PHI get out. And so healthcare organizations, third parties that touch that data, they were all then liable. And they all said, hey, we need a solution to prove that our data has been erased or it can't get out into the wild. Because for every record, it was roughly a $50,000 cost for each record that got out was uh, part of a data breach. And so a uh, focus began from the top down, um, from the C-suite down saying, hey, how does this data protected? And from that, it evolved into, you know, a number of other regulations coming out. The most recent is GDPR out in the EU. And on our side, we have a California data privacy law. Every state has data privacy laws now and a federal data privacy laws in committee. And it may not be as tough as GDPR, which is renowned for its, uh, its penalty level. I think it's 3% of, of uh, revenue is your max penalty amount for data breaches. Um, there's some other breakdowns from that as well. But what that created is it created a need to make sure that data is managed properly. And we have discussions today about Facebook and how your data is shared. Um, that's part of it but also the data breach side is your data getting out there and being used for nefarious purposes, which is a huge business, a huge black market opportunity, and it's happening every day. And so with this focus has come interest in tools that help protect companies. And that where we, that's where we stepped in with White Drive. Not, not really stepped in, we have always been here. We were more on the consumer side and the retail side, um, but the enterprise started calling us up and saying, hey, you know, we need you to do this X, Y, and Z. And we started working on the, those features of those components in order to, to provide those deployments. And as we started, you know, matching the deployments for one Fortune 100 company, all of a sudden it matched uh, the deployments for others. And so our tools started to roll out there and be used for this end of life cycle data erasure and to remove um, on the more kind of basic level erase that computer or device and provide a report of that erasure. So you know on this date and time before this laptop left your facility, all the data was removed. Therefore, later on, if there's a data breach or someone claims that this laptop had data or this IT asset had data, you can go back to your records and say, no, 
we erase it on this day and time. We use industry best, you know, practices on it. And there's, you know, we are not liable for the data. If there is data on this or there should be no data on this device is kind of where that demand has come from. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of talk about how data is an asset, but it, it can flip on you and also be a liability in terms of a, a oh, potential yeah. breach Absolutely. or 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 um, some some of these regulatory bodies and, and the fines, fines, uh, reputational damage, etc. That you could incur if you don't protect or get rid of that data. Um, so how I I was under the impression like the only way to really wipe a machine is like to take the hard drive out and you know you know, physically destroy it. Right. So how, 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 so, so, but what you're telling me, there's another way to do that. So, so how does it work? So all these drive manufacturers out there, um, first off, they are the ones that created these discs and these SSDs. So they have the ability to, to access all the data storage on these devices. So what happened is the industry said, Hey, we need to provide a data erasure mechanism. So each uh, manufacturer, drive manufacturer out there went through and tried and became compliant. They're called ATA commands, which is the ability to access all the areas on these device, on these drives and erase them and then provide a verification as well that all those areas are erased. So those were the mechanisms that came in to play because of demand. Um, going back in time, we've always been able to access a lot of different areas of the drive. We've worked to access other areas as they've as they popped up, HPAs and DCOs popped up. And we had to um, provide compatibility for those as well. So as this ability to, to reach all the, every sector, every byte and bit on a drive um, became required, these industry specifications helped us to reach that. But there's a lot of, on our side that we have to do as well because technology is always changing. Uh, you have new TPM chips coming out. You have... Um, Apple providing some additional um, small unit storage on their devices that you need to get access to as well. So there's, um, it's a cat and mouse game on our side. Uh, the industry focus on it has been from the start, data or physical destruction is first off bad for the environment. It pretty much gets rid of your storage immediately so you can't resell it or donate it or it would be used for any other purposes. And my example of that is, um, you know, imagine if every three years my Toyota Tundra got shredded, right. you know, that's a huge loss. And um, that can add up quite a bit. A lot of these organizations have tens of thousands of drives that could be physically destroyed every year. And you're looking at a 10, 20, maybe $40 resale value. And that amount can, can kind of help a company's IT budget as well to, to buy new devices and new systems. Sure. Well, uh, explain how your solution works, like, for example, in the different situ scenarios, like I've, I've got an individual device that that would seem to be pretty straightforward. But what if I have, you know, if I, like one of these large organizations that you mentioned, maybe I have thousands of devices and maybe I don't have physical access to them. Can I do it remotely? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a lot of different deployments. Remote is one of them. Um, that actually doesn't come up as often as you think. Um, I think most organizations <laughs> are very careful about erasing devices remotely just because they have to ensure it's the correct device. They have to ensure, you know, they're not erasing, you know, destroying something that they, that's actually very important. So remote erasure doesn't come up that often. Uh, we do have a couple organizations that have like 1,200 um, different shops with two or three computers at each shop. 
And every year they need to erase those two or three computers. And so they've set up a system to adequately address those devices, erase them, and provide that report back into their system. Um, the most common method actually is uh, PIXI deployment or PXE deployment. And that's where you set up a workbench or a work area and you PIXI boot um, all these laptops and desktops from the wipe drive PIXI server. And so you're able to erase 50, 100, 200 computers simultaneously and get those reports back. And we see that a lot in the refurbisher side. Um, a lot of these large um, global organizations do that before they return systems to their leaser. They'll have everything shipped to a warehouse, process them on site, and then provide them back to their leaser. So those are our major deployments. But yeah, I mean, USB, CD, occasionally CD bootables as well. Um, and then we can also install onto Windows and restart that computer into our erasure program as well. So there's a couple different ways uh, we've seen our these large organizations use us. What about uh, BYO devices? BY, uh, bring your own devices. Uh, you know, a lot of organizations they say, hey, you know, go ahead, and you can ha you can access some 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 of the company apps, some of the company data on your uh, on your devices. Um, many of those organizations will have some type of solution, some type of MDM solution that will allow them to, you know, restrict what company assets can be um, downloaded or accessed via, via the uh, personally owned device. And then if that device is lost or if the, the person separates from the organization, they have a way to do a remote wipe of company assets. Do you get into right. that area at all? Absolutely. BYOD is a is a big headache. I mean, we're securely erasing these devices that, you know, your employees are using to access your data or store your data is a huge area. And then remote work has built onto that where all of a sudden your data may be being accessed through a VPN, but it's saved to someone's laptop that they leave on their couch that a neighbor can come over and access or Maybe their Wi-Fi isn't protected, so someone else can jump on their Wi-Fi and access the data on their computers that is your company's data. So there's, on this BYOD and remote work area, there's lots of kind of concerns on the data data protection, data security policies that isn't being, been addressed yet and probably won't be addressed for another six to nine months as, as companies try to grasp how do you manage where this data goes to, who can open it, is there passwords? Um, what if what if your employee sells that laptop? Did they erase it before they sold it? There's a whole area there where it's just gone from BYOD to um, any remote work uh, appliance or device. And um, I don't think it's adequately being addressed yet. And I think chief data officers out there <laughs> are taking a deep breath in going, okay, we need to start addressing this. How do we do it? And that's going to be the next, you know, change do any of your solutions then have the uh, ability to you know uh wipe a certain segment of the disc or corporate assets for example versus personal assets so you know if i had my my phone and you said hey you know mark we're gonna uh, wipe all the, the company data is there a way that you can do that without touching the person's data or is that something that's being developed um, so on phones, it's relatively simple because most of your data is stored in the cloud. So we can erase it and then restore it back to factory resets. And like Apple will, will upload your information back onto that. That's fairly simple and well done. On the um, laptop side or personal computer side, that's more cumbersome. We, we did have a data 
data file erasure tool and a free space erasure tool. But with SSDs and the way the SSDs work, we saw that the secure clean tool, which was what our tool was, was actually, um, in order for it to run, you'd have to erase the whole SSD almost every night in order to get all the, the parts of files. And that was causing a lot of wear on drive. So we kind of stepped away from that and said, hey, that's a little too dangerous to get into. Um, we can do data erasure on you know, hard drives. That's not a big deal. And specific file erasure, that's definitely possible. But overall, we said, you know, let's just kind of focus down on the, the secure erasure of file of, sorry, of laptops, computers, drives, the full data, uh, and then not worry about those kind of partial erasure items just because I think there's more risk there and more headache. And I don't think people understand the, the use, the use that's going on and the danger and life, lifetime that it's affecting as well. Do you see uh, with with the massive increase of IoT devices, do you have similar issues with data being stored on some of these IoT uh, devices? <laughs> great, great question. I mean, we saw IoT devices about three years ago and said, hey, what's going to happen here? Because back in 2011, mobile devices started flooding the refurbished refurbishment market. And that's kind of usually when we get get kind of aware of things is on the three-year life cycle. You know, people aren't erasing their their system the day they buy it. It's usually at the end of lease or, you know, the retirement process. So we saw these IoT devices and we said, okay, what's going to happen here? How do we address, you know, is there, first off, is there storage on these, these IoT devices from anything from a light bulb to your Alexa to the Google um, home devices, the Nest thermostat, is there storage? And if so, um, how big is that storage? Can you access it? Can you address it? Uh, we are working on tools right now to do that. Um, for the most cases, most cases, not as simple as uh, booting and erasing. And there's quite a bit of technical kind of uh, uh, not bootlegging, but similar type of scenario in order to, to get in there and get our software on that on those devices and get it running. Um, but it's something we haven't seen yet. Um, we are waiting to see where this goes um, and see kind of what needs to be ha what needs to happen. And also if the industry itself will come out with standards and methods for erasing these devices. So um, I think right now we just say it's under development on our side. Excellent. And imagine you were talking to the CTO or CIO of a large, uh, well, a Fortune 500 company. And, sure. you know, you, you just want to give them a soundbite of what they should be aware of in terms of data erasure or data as a liability. What would you say to them? Technology has gotten to the point now where you can trust data, software-based data erasure on any device. Um, any ITS that you have can be addressed and securely erased. So the old methods of physical destruction and, and other ways of, of destroying equipment is antiquated, out of date, environmentally unsound. And going forward, um, it will only get better and more improved and uh, more compatible on different systems. So I'd recommend for all of them to take a look at it, um, see if it works in their corporation, see how that would uh, kind of um, solve on their side budgetary issues as well as provide on their economical or environmental impact report how they're they're solving and improving this circular economy that's going on. 
and helping uh, the redistribution of these devices rather than shredding and throwing them into into landfills. Yeah, I think the whole sustainability factor must be a huge kind of incentive to um, adopt, you know, your type of solution versus the the old school. Let's take it out and it is. drill a hole in it. Yeah, hit thing. the yeah. hammer, drill it, yeah. and also, you know, a lot of technology now doesn't apply to drills. SSDs, you have to grind up every chip to uh, the NSA level is like a quarter of a millimeter in order yeah. to get rid of the data on there, make sure it's unrecoverable. So there really is some physical technological um, restraints from that even being effective. So luckily software can address that. It can provide results and help with your sustainability report, you know, as well. Do you see any changes in the future or related to the, the data storage mediums that would make your job more challenging? Um, not on our side um, too much. I mean, looking down 10 years, 15 down, 15 years down the road, maybe there's changes to servers and things like that. I think the movement is continue is going to continue to go to cloud storage mm-hmm. and cloud management. And what devices are used on that cloud will be the next step of improving the storage and speed on those devices and how our software can run on those devices as well. I don't think there's going to be major changes on the laptop side or PC side for many years. Um, but, um, you know, I've read some reports of hammer drives and uh, e-hammer drives as well. Um, there's also, there's an interesting report, I forget where it is, about uh, liquid storage as well um, mm-hmm. for data. Uh, there's some interesting things out there. Um, I think they're all probably a decade away from being mainstream, but... Uh, it will continue to change and and have to be addressed when they do. Excellent. And tell me a little bit about your organization. Like, uh, if if you've got a customer out there, a potential customer, they want to engage with you. I'm assuming they can go to your website, or do you have do you have uh, people located throughout the country, overseas? I mean, tell me a little bit about your your how your operation works. Sure. Uh, we're headquartered here in Salt Lake City, Utah. All of our sales, development, and supports done here in Utah. So we support our our U.S. companies uh, directly here Monday through Friday. Um, we also have um, partners in Europe, Asia, Australia as well. These partners are on-site experts at Wipe Drive, and so they they handle the support and other issues in those regions uh, for their time zones. And we are are seeing a lot, tremendous growth the last three years, and we expect with uh, continued focus on data breaches and data erasure. Um, it's going to continue to grow over the next uh, probably five to seven years. We'll see even more growth. That's excellent. Well, hey, uh, any closing thoughts or comments, um, projections, uh, announcements that you'd like to make to the to the listeners? Um, on our side, we are very excited to to kind of solve the remote work issue that's going on. We love kind of modern challenges, like I said. On my sales calls, I love kind of providing a solution to people and how we can do that. One of those that we're doing right now is uh, integration into inventory asset tools so that on the ITSM side, the IT service management side, we're just one of those products lined up with your inventory asset tool. So now you can run wipe drive. It'll save the report to your IT asset in that inventory system and, and connect it there. And then also some of these inventory asset uh, systems also have silent kill or silent install capabilities, so you can push WipeDrive out through their system. So what we're trying to do is make um, WipeDrive 
uh, easier to use, and also a part of a portfolio of other products is kind of our goal. So uh, we're looking forward to those releases. We'll announce them on our website when they come out, but uh, that's kind of where we're headed. Sounds exciting. Well, hey, Paul, it's been great talking with you. Um, and, you know, you obviously have some very specialized and uh, important tools and, you know, that are very, very important for, for security and data protection and more, 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 I guess, more, not just protection, but uh, data disposal in the appropriate way, right? Uh, and, and, you know, more and more data, that means obviously more and more needs for <laughs> disposal, yep. right? So, hey, uh, really yep. appreciate your time and um, thank you for coming on Secure Talk. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate your time and uh, let's talk soon. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.